Welcome to the Faith Lakeside Podcast. Each week you'll hear another great message that will help you know God and make Him known in your life. Join us each Sunday at 1045 a.m. and throughout the week in small groups to make the most of your learning experiences. Now, sit back, relax with a great cup of coffee and a notebook and enjoy this week's message. Welcome back to church. It's a privilege to have everybody here this morning, whether you're joining us for the first time ever, first time in a while, or the first time since last Sunday. It is good that you are here. Uh, back to church is one of those opportunities for us to begin again, whether it's the, for the first time in a while or the first time this week, to begin again the practice of making church a priority in our life. So, uh, thank you for being here. If you're with us for the first time today, you probably found uh, in an annoying place right under your seat or on your seat as you were trying to sit down a connection card. Uh, I ask you to fill that out or consider filling it out and let us know that you are here today. And we promise not to spam you, but it just gives us an opportunity to put you on our email list if you'd like and follow up to send you a uh, glad you were here card and let you know the contact information for myself and the other leadership. So, uh, if you'll fill that out, for everybody who's a regular attender, these are the means by which we're moving forward. We're going to be start sharing prayer requests for Sunday mornings. So there's a basket in the back this week. Next week, there'll be a box as we get a little more formal with the connection cards. These will always be in your seat pockets in the coming weeks. And so just know that this will be the means by which you'll share with us uh, your desires for maybe baptism or that you made a profession of faith and wanted to let us know or any other uh, kind of engagement things or commitments that you've decided to make in light of the sermon or prayer requests. So this is the, the new connection card. We used to call them communicator cards, but I kept messing that up. So uh, connection card is what I've called them since I was like in my 20s, and that's uh, quite some time ago now. And so uh, this is uh, the tool we'll be using for that. And then it also on your seat, you should have found our ministry opportunities, both ways to engage in learning and some ways to engage in serving. So be sure to check those out in the coming uh, minutes and, and stuff, especially, you know, instead of zoning out and doodling, go ahead and read those things and see if you can engage in some other way uh, this coming uh, Sundays and, and weeks and months ahead. So welcome back to church. Church is one of those things that we have been taught is important, especially for Christians from the very beginning of our faith walk. But the problem with the, the, the concept of church is that a lot of us have some mistaken notions about what church may be. Uh, I know that growing up as a kid, I was always told, don't run in the church. Uh, you know, and it was the building, is the church. Actually, confession to make, when I was a teenager, we had pews in the church where I grew up. And the pews were bolted to the floor, so they didn't move. We used to run across the tops of the pews for youth lock-in nights. So um, I don't know if it was pleasing or displeasing to God, but it sure was fun. Uh, we would also jump chairs. I can jump 10 folding chairs if I were still 17. Um, but since I'm not, I won't tell you how long it's been since I was 17, uh, but 10 folding chairs. If anybody wants to hold a competition, we can try. We will do it um, age-graded, though. So for my age group, we'll start with the tiny chairs in the kids' room, uh, and we'll go from there, okay? We can probably get two or three. Ed, you up for it? <laughs> no, you're not. All right, so, because <laughs> I know I'm not. That was a lie. Uh, but we have this idea of church as, as the building. Uh, now, modern Christianity has kind of fixed that for us. We've been taught over and over again that the church is not the building, but the people are the church. And, and I think that many of you understand that, you, you get that concept, but this idea that the people are the church kind of begins to, to create a secondary problem where we're not concerned with the building, but instead we're, we, we think about ourselves being the church. And so there's this notion that I can do church wherever I am. Anybody ever heard, had a friend, you know, well, my church is the side of the creek fishing. That's where I do church. Or, uh, you know, my church is out in nature. My church is on my couch during football season. Uh, you know, that, that, that's where I do church. 
And um, so there's this notion, because the church is the people, and I'm a people who belongs to the, the church, then I can do it wherever I am. Or there's that, that next one, I am the church. And so wherever I am, there is the church. Uh, and, and some of us, you see this expressed where, you know, cool t-shirts that say things like, be the church. Uh, anybody ever seen that? You, you know, on Facebook, be the church. And so we've got that, and then we've got some, some ideas that, well, it's true, but it's a dangerous idea. I don't have to go to church to be a Christian. Now, that's true. You can be saved and never go to church, but if you are saved, you should always want to go to church. Church should be a, a critical and important part of your life. Some people use the excuse uh, when they see the people as the church. They go, well, you know, the building's nice, and the Jesus they worship is cool, but the people are a bunch of, and you just fill in the blank. And the blank usually gets filled in with words like hypocrite. The, the church is full of hypocrites. Um, and so I want to take that notion, the church is full of hypocrites, and I want to confess to all of you today that is absolutely true. It is absolutely true that the church is hopefully to the rafters, every seat full, full of hypocrites over time. And what we mean by that is not that we think it's okay to be a hypocrite, but that all of us will struggle with not living up to the standards we know to be true for our lives. And so if you look at the church and you go, it's full of hypocrites, we welcome you, O oh hypocrite, with open arms and say, come, be amongst the great crowd of hypocrites and be like us as we seek to become less hypocritical over time. Now, there are other, you know, descriptors. The church is full of Republicans, or the church is full of Democrats, or the church is full of whatever you want to use as a descriptor, as an excuse. The church is full of people who don't dress like I do, who don't sound like I do, who don't look like I do. The church is full of people who will judge me as soon as I walk in the door. And the problem is, is we keep having misunderstandings about what the church is and what it's about. We think that it should be either this perfect cathedral full of perfect people, or we think, well, I am the church, and so I can do church wherever I want. But the truth is, is when we look at the word in Scripture for church, it's a Greek word called ekklesia. And so some of you couldn't care less, but I'm going to tell you why this is important. Because when we say church, we, it holds in our minds some specific things about an experience. But when Jesus used the word church, ecclesia, when the Apostle Paul, in, in the New Testament, when the, the word church is used, it carried with it some certain truths, the word that they used. And ecclesia is not the building, not by any means. Ecclesia isn't even the people as individuals in, in you know, whatever kind of state they're in any given morning. Instead, ecclesia is very specifically the gathering together of believers for the sake of doing the business of the kingdom of God. And so if you think that church is just I attend, I feel good, or I can do it on a creek side or in front of the television. The truth is, biblically, you are not going to church. Church is not part of your life if you are not gathering with other believers to do the business of God's kingdom. And so you might say, well, it's important, but I express it in my own way. God doesn't allow us room to express church in our own way. He has defined it very specifically for us. Now, church doesn't mean we have to be in a building. We could meet together and do the work of the kingdom at Panera if you really wanted to pay too much for coffee and, and stale bread. Um, right? I, I mean, if you work at Panera or love Panera, please forgive me. I didn't mean it. Um, you know, we, we, we could meet at my house, there's just not enough parking, right? We could meet anywhere and still be the church, gathering together believers, coming together to do the work of the kingdom. There could be two or three of us, or there could be hundreds and hundreds of us, and we would still be the church so long as we are gathered together to do the work of God's kingdom. 
But if you are not gathered together, by definition, you are not part of the church in this sense. You, you, you're part of the, the universal church, the great body of believers that exists throughout time and space. That starts to sound like at the beginning to like a sci-fi thing, right? But no, it's literally the group of people who, who trusted in Jesus Christ throughout all of history and all over planet Earth. We are the church, the big C church, but to be a church, we have to be with other people. I'm actually of the mindset, I don't even think online church counts. It's more like watching a good TV show, but it's not coming to church. It's not being part of church. Now, it's a nice fill-in when we've got things like pandemics and sickness and work weekends, but to really be at church, to really come to church, means to see other people face-to-face, to maybe even go so far as to be annoyed by them, and to grow together doing the work of the kingdom of God as believers gathered. So when we talk about coming back to church, it isn't just about you know saying, well, believers are nice and doing good things is nice. We're talking about literally making a habit once again of gathering with other people. People who don't necessarily look like you, who don't dress like you, who don't particularly necessarily talk like you, people who you find annoying, but they're believers called together with you to do the business of the kingdom of God. And so when we talk about church, I want you to get out of your mind coming to church as a building. I want you to get out of your mind this idea that you can do Lone Ranger Christianity and do church on your own. I want you to get out of your mind that you can do it in your pajamas on your couch on a regular basis. Every once in a while it's cool, as needed, yes, but not as a lifestyle. Real church is gathering together to do the work of the kingdom. So, the church is not the place. The church is not the individuals. It is instead the assembly. And the assembly all throughout the New Testament is the center of Christian growth and life. If you have profess Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, you should want to gather together with other believers. And I'm going to give you five reasons. In fact, what I think are among the top five reasons for you to make church a regular part of your life. If you were on social media this week on Facebook or you were on YouTube, you maybe saw I posted a video earlier this week, top five worst reasons to invite someone to church, and it included things like donuts uh, and bagels and coffee. It included things like music and preaching and programs. But what you're going to find is the top five reasons to make church a regular part of your life, it's actually going to include some of the very things I said were really bad reasons to come to church. But reasons, these top five, we find scripture We bring it to bear upon these reasons, and we see that there is a depth to the things that we do and why it's so important for us to do it physically, together, on a regular basis. So, number five. Number five, best reason for you to make church a regular part of your life, to make it something that you commit yourself to on a regular basis. Number five, the coffee, donuts, and bagels. Now, I have to say, we have got a great team that sets up stuff downstairs. If you didn't see it, there's still time, uh, maybe, but uh, there's, there's bagels every week. Some weeks, we've got donuts, we've got coffee, there's decaf for the high-strung people like me, there's regular for those of you who need help waking up and staying awake through the sermon. There is everything you could need to make yourself a plate of high-carb and sugar goodness to get you through the morning services. And, and this is a great reason to come to church, not because of the coffee, the donuts, and the bagels, but if you go up to the counter and you fill up your coffee and you get yourself a bagel or a donut and you turn around, what you're going to find are tables. And at those tables, there will be people. And these people who are drinking their coffee and eating their donuts and bagels 
get this, they are other believers who have nothing else to do but sit at that table and eat and talk and share life and, and, and learn together what it is to be believers. And this has been a critical component of life in the church since its founding. Acts chapter 2, what happens in the very beginning of Acts chapter 2 is all of the disciples are gathered together in the upper room. The Holy Spirit comes down upon them. They see like tongues of fire above their heads. They begin to speak in other tongues. Scripture tells us as an evidence that the Holy Spirit had come. Lots of people got saved that day. 3,000, in fact, were saved that day because of the preaching that they heard in their own language because of the power of the Holy Spirit. And then all of these new Christians started to live life together. Acts chapter 2, verse 42 tells us what it looked like. They devoted themselves. Now that word devoted, it doesn't mean they sort of made a loose commitment to occasionally attend and do these things when it fit into their schedule. But they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, to fellowship, to the breaking of bread, and to prayer. Now, some of you might think the breaking of bread, that must be the Lord's Supper. It could be, but the most normal usage of that phrase, the breaking of bread, means they just sat around and ate together. They just sat around and talked about life and ate good food together. Number five, best reason for you to make church a regular part of your life is because of the opportunity to come here to grab a cup of coffee and a bagel or a donut and sit down with somebody who loves Jesus as much or more than you do and just share life together. So many of us are walking through this world alone and we're struggling with things. And we feel like we have no one to talk to and no place to turn. And we think that, that you know, if we could just find somebody, and i got to tell you, there are lots of somebodies in this church who should be willing to love one another and to hear one another's stories and to share one another's burdens. And we have no reason to be alone, at least on a Sunday morning when there are donuts and bagels and coffee and tables just waiting for us to share our lives together. Christians, brothers and sisters especially, if you're not a believer, this applies to you, this is good stuff, we'll talk more about why you need to be coming. But believers, those of you who have professed Jesus, you don't have to be alone, but it takes some effort. Grab a bagel, grab some coffee, Sit at a table and be willing to share your story because the number five best reason is fellowship. And I want to tell you that spiritual and emotional relationships, they happen as we share just simple time together. Really good relationships. You find out the kinds of movies that people have seen that you never would have thought they had seen. You find out one another's struggles. You find out that other people are human just like you because you take the time to fellowship over things like coffee and bagels and donuts. Number four, best reason, or number four reason, I just helped five to say four. <clears throat> Don't, so just, just for, for future reference, when I hold up fingers, do not count the number of fingers. I will not hold up the accurate number. I always mess it up. And, and the worst is three. I cannot get my hand to do three. Uh, so anyway, um, so that was just, that was the aside. Number four, I'm, I'm focusing now. That's why I got it right. Number four, best reason for you to make church a regular part of your life, the preaching, the music, or the programs. Now, I told you this was also a terrible, amongst the worst reasons to invite someone to church. And the reason why it can be a bad reason for someone to come to church is because the music might stink, the preaching might be boring, and Sunday school might go on forever. That could be your perspective. You're like, oh, I just, 
When Michael gets on one of those rants, it's terrible, I just want to zone out, do, fine, take a great nap, rest in Christ, I'm cool. But, but understand that, that there are going to be weeks where these things are not what you like. I mean, we can agree with, with that concept, right? Oh, I hate that song. Why, are they, why do they do that song so often? Uh, I mean, why, why can't Michael stand still? Or why can't he move more? Or why can't he stay focused? Or, right? I mean, there, there are issues. I wish we would do this study, but instead we're doing this study. But the truth is, is that when we continually, and stay, uh, continually stay committed to the preaching, the music, and the programs, we'll grow. When we don't prefer something, guess what? Oftentimes that's the way that we grow the most. Now, if it's unbiblical, run away screaming and taking your friends with you. But when it's Bible-based, when it's God-glorifying, when it rubs you the wrong way, it probably means you need to grow. It probably means you need to mature. <laughs> Shelly and I were talking, and I, I don't mean to rat my wife out all the time, but she's just so fun. We were talking last night as we were drifting off to sleep, and she's not here, she's downstairs, so you can tell her I talked about her. Uh, she's working on lunch. We were drifting off to sleep last night, and she told me about somebody who was friending her on Facebook, uh, an older church member from the church she, one of the churches she attended as a child. And then she told me how her parents and, and this older woman, they had worked to try and, and match up Shelly with their son. Like it was the plan. You know how parents do that, right? Our kids, they're similar in age, and we as parents like one another, so let's make sure our kids get married. It never works out, right? And, and at least I've never seen it work out. Uh, all of my children have been betrothed to at least half a dozen other kids in the course of growing up and moving around, um, and yet they still choose who they like. Anyway, and Shelly's like, I never liked the guy because his name was Graham. Graham Grimes. Like, well, was he a nice guy? I don't know. I mean, I didn't really like him. Graham. That's just a terrible name. I hate that name. Graham Grimes. And I'm like, honey, that, that's kind of petty. She's like, I know I'm petty. Like, yeah, well, you're the only person I know who, as soon as you, somebody has a name you don't like or they're from Michigan or Ohio, you hate them. I mean, you just, like, she just like writes you off. So if you are from Michigan or Ohio and you have not told Shelly, do not tell her. You will be blacklisted immediately. If your real name is Graham or Aiden, do not tell her. Just go by whatever she calls you. She'll still like you. But she finds those things annoying. And she wants to push people with those names out of her life. Because Graham, it just doesn't flow right, she said. Okay, I feel you. Church life can be a lot the same way, right? Where we hear something we don't like, we just want to push it away. We find somebody frustrating, we want to just distance ourselves. We, we don't like the music, it's, hey, I, I'm not coming in for worship time. Hey, I, I'm not coming in for, for the, you know, I'm leaving before the preaching's over, I hate invitations, or I'm not going to come to Sunday school because, you know, it's just kind of hit or miss, and, and we create distance between ourselves and the church that we should be engaged in. And really, it's because we're petty. It's because we're annoyed over things that don't really matter, and we should be Diving in deeper. We should be allowing ourselves to be refined by the things that annoy us. Now, Shelley will probably never be best friends with someone named Graham. But I would hope that someday, if she meets a new Graham, she could like them well enough to love them in Christ and not push them away. Here's some other things we see in Scripture. Not only did the early church devote themselves to eating together. They also devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. In other words, they were willing to submit themselves on a regular basis to biblical teaching in order to challenge them to be more Christ-like. 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verses 1 and 2, the apostle Paul is talking to the church there in Corinth, and he says, When I came to you, brothers and sisters, announcing the mystery of God to you, I did not come with brilliance of speech or wisdom. I decided to know nothing among you except Jesus Christ and Him crucified. 
The Apostle Paul, who planted churches all over um, Asia Minor and into Europe and all the way to Rome and maybe even Spain and Britain. We're not sure. He maybe have made it that far. But this Apostle Paul, who wrote all these letters in our New Testament, he says, when I came to start this church, I wasn't a very good speaker. I wasn't concerned with those things. I wasn't trying to do laser lights and smoke. But what I did is I came in and I appealed to what you really needed to hear, the gospel of Jesus Christ. And so if you are, know that you should be dedicated to church and you find that every time you come, you're hearing the good news of Jesus and you're challenged by the truth you're hearing, but you don't prefer the methodology, suck it up and grow. It's, it's, it's a challenge to come for, for things that you don't prefer. But, I mean, we're, we're, we're called to, to not sing specific songs, but, but even sing new songs, like brand new stuff. We're supposed to be singing to God. Psalm 96, verses 1 through 3. Sing a new song to the Lord. Let the whole earth sing to the Lord. Sing to the Lord. Do you think we should be singing? I think we should be singing. I think everyone should be singing. Now, singing, some of you should sing softer than others because you don't sing well but you should be singing. Bless his name. Proclaim his salvation from day to day. Declare his glory among the nations, his wondrous works among all peoples. Good teaching, loud singing. They're supposed to be regular parts of our lives. Good reasons to attend church include Listening to the teaching, participating in the singing, no matter what your preferences are. I wish there was more heavy metal worship. It's, don't we all? Um, you know, or I, I wish there was more bluegrass, or I, I wish there were more hymns, or I, I wish... Stop it. Sing a new song to the Lord. Sing it out loud. Sing it with all that you are. And worship. 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 15 the Apostle Paul is writing to a young pastor and he tells him this, do your best to present yourself to God as one approved, a worker who has no need to be ashamed, rightly handling the word of truth. Paul tells Timothy, learn your Bible, Timothy. Learn your Bible. He doesn't say, find a great place that makes you feel good and sing songs you like, where the pastor dresses in skinny jeans and pointy shoes and makes you feel cool. He says, learn God's word, Timothy, and learn how to handle it right. Don't use it as a little platitude machine that's great for tattoos and t-shirts. Instead, really learn God's word and how to apply it to your life. And so the number four best reason to make church a regular part of your life is for the instruction and the worship. The instruction and the worship. Because it is a critical part of your life, especially if you have proclaimed Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. This should be a, a, a central to who you are, is growing in Him and worshiping Him. Christ-centered learning in worship is central to the believer's life. Number three, best reason to make church a regular part of your life so that you may lose your life. You can lose your life. Now, one of the worst reasons to come to church is to get your life fixed. And the reason why that's the case is because God doesn't promise to fix our lives. Scripture doesn't say that God is going to mend up the thing that we are and make it okay. Instead, what Scripture tells us over and over again is that if you are a Christian, when you gather with others, when you live out this Christian life, you are supposed to be losing your life so that you can find out what it means to really live. Jesus, in Luke 9, 23 and 24, says this. Jesus says to everyone who asks about what it means to be a disciple, he says, if anyone wants to follow after me, if anyone wants to be my disciple, let him deny himself, take up his cross daily, and follow me. For whoever wants to save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life because of me will save it. Jesus didn't come to 
band-aid us up to, to say, oh, you're, you're great, let's just fix a couple of little things. He came so that we could say to the old way of life, I'm done with you, and he could give us a brand new way of living. The Apostle Paul, writing to the church in Ephesus, says this, but uh, that is not how you came to know Christ, assuming you heard about him and were taught by him as the truth is in Jesus. To take off your former way of life, not to fix it up, not to patch it up, not to, to sew up the bad spots and clean up the stains, but instead to take off the old way of life, the old self that is corrupted by deceitful desires, to be renewed in the spirit of your minds and to put on the new self, the one created according to God's likeness in righteousness and purity of the truth. Church, a great reason to come to church is to learn how to die to the old way of life and put on a new way of life that looks like Jesus. Not to fix up the things that you were, but instead to die to what you used to define yourself as. To, to get rid of completely the ways you used to describe yourself and instead be renewed in the, in the way that you see the world and then begin to walk in Christ-likeness. Church is about not helping everybody feel a little better and walk out encouraged. It's about, honestly, we should all walk in, die a little bit more every Sunday to the old way of life and then be made new again in Jesus. That's what church is supposed to be about. We're not here to fix one another. We're all here to die to who we used to be and come alive in Jesus. Here's the promise, 2 Corinthians 5.17, that we have. If anyone is in Christ, Jesus has kind of scrubbed them up a little bit and helped them look a little better and patched up the bad spots. And you know, golly, you're good enough. No, if anyone is in Christ, you are a brand new creation. The old way of life, the old you, the old ways you used to define yourself, it's all supposed to pass away and a brand new person is supposed to come in its place. A brand new person who looks and acts like Jesus. Number three, best reason to make church a regular part of your life is new life in Christ. Listen, God desires to give us genuine new life, not just to patch up the old way of life, not just to duct tape up the old things that used to own us. There are so many words that people in American culture use to define themselves. Addict, homosexual, transgender, Republican, Democrat, rich, poor, educated or not. And the truth is, is all of those are supposed to die at the church door. And we begin to define ourselves according to Christ-likeness. And the desire is to see the love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, and self-control that are supposed to be oozing up out of us over time. That's the goal. Not a fixed-up Republican, not a better Democrat, not a, an accepted homosexual, but instead someone who walks in newness of life according to the definition that Jesus has given to us. Number two, best reason to make church a regular part of your life is to meet saved people. If you are not a believer, I, I, I got to tell you that believers are some of the coolest people you'll ever meet. I mean, some of us are a little bit stick in the mud fuddy-duddy, but, but believers are so cool. Because they know what it is to be broken and they know that they're not perfect and they're willing to accept others in their imperfections in the hope that all of us can follow after Jesus and be saved completely. So to meet saved people, here's what's so cool is to celebrate this, that what God has done for us Galatians 4, 4 through 7, when the time came to 
I can't read the back screen. Completion. God sent his son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those under the law so that we might receive adoption as sons. And because you are sons, God sent the the spirit of his son into our hearts, crying, Abba, Father. So you are no longer a slave, but a son. And if a son, then God has made you an heir. Why do we want to meet other Christians? Because there are other people who, when we meet together, we understand we are the family of God. And we have this unique relationship with one another and with God because of Christ Jesus. And we can look around the room and say, you know, man, I've got some of the weirdest brothers and sisters in the world. I have got the most unique family ever. Hallelujah. And I am the chief of the weirdos, right? And I know that. I'm the chief of the broken people. I'm the head sinner who's seeking to be redeemed by Christ on a daily basis. This is the attitude we have when we're genuinely saved people coming together. We celebrate what Jesus has done. Don't you know that the unrighteous will not inherit God's kingdom? Do not be deceived. No sexually immoral people, idolaters, adulterers, or males who have sex with males, no thieves, greedy people, drunkards, verbally abusive people, or swindlers will inherit God's kingdom. Here's the cool line. And some of you used to be like this. Why do we come to church? To meet the others who used to be messed up in the same ways we were. And we celebrate how Christ has redeemed us and made life better. Because you were washed, you were sanctified, you were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and by the Spirit of our God. We all used to be messed up somehow or another. Why do we get together? To celebrate the fact that we're not anymore. And not in a, and so we're better than everybody else kind of way. But in a, if he can do it for me, he can do it for you. If he can save a life like mine, he can save a life like yours. Number two, best reason is to find encouragement. God has given us a new family to renew our identity and to strengthen us. You need to make church a regular part of your life so you can hang around other saved people. So you can see what God is doing in the lives of others and know that he can do the same in your own. Number one, best reason to come to church and make it a regular part of your life is to celebrate the gospel. We all need to be reminded of the gospel on a regular basis. And what is the gospel? Well, the gospel is the truth that God created this whole world out of love and grace and generosity, and he created mankind special. And he gave them the responsibility of walking in obedience But Adam and Eve, they chose to sin against God, to rebel against Him. They ate of the fruit of the knowledge of good and evil, the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, and uh, they, they rebelled against God, and they earned for themselves God's wrath, and they earned for themselves death. And the truth is, Adam and Eve aren't the only ones who've sinned. Scripture tells us that all of us, in some way or another, have rebelled against God. We have shaken our fist against the Lord of creation and we've told him, you don't know what you're doing. I'm king. I'm God. I'm in control. You don't get to tell me what to do. All of us have done that at some point in our life. And in doing that, we have earned for ourselves the wrath of God and death. But God loved us so much that he sent his son Jesus, the only begotten son of God who was completely God and completely man and he lived a perfect and sinless life and then willingly gave himself on the cross as a sacrifice to absorb the wrath of God on your behalf to die on your behalf and he rose again on the third day to prove it's all true that everything he says he is is true. Everything he says he can do is true. He is truly God and man. He can forgive sins. He can give us new life. But the condition of that, for that to be true, is that we must believe on him as Lord and Savior. And not just believe that it's true, believe the story, but instead believe means to actually turn your life completely over to him. 
and follow after him, to do what he says and live how he asks. And part of that is regularly gathering, gathering together and celebrating the gospel. Ephesians 2, verses 4 through 7 says this, But God, who is rich in mercy because of his great love that he had for us, made us alive with Christ even though we were dead in trespasses. You are saved by grace. He also raised us up with him and seated us with him in the heavens in Christ Jesus so that in the coming ages he might display the immeasurable riches of his grace through his kindness to us in Christ Jesus. This is a celebration of what it means to be saved. God loves us. He saves us. He lifts us up and blesses us. And gathering together on a regular basis gives us the opportunity to celebrate this regularly. For you are saved by grace through faith, and this is not from yourselves. It is God's gift, not from works so that no one can boast. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared ahead of time for us to do. We should celebrate our salvation and celebrate by gathering together and doing the good things that God has for us. The number one best reason to come to church is to celebrate the gospel. Every time the church gathers, we're reminded of Christ's work on our behalf. And the biggest reason we know that the gospel is true is because people who would not genuinely like one another or generally like one another or gather together find common ground to love one another and be a family. I mean, how many of us, apart from Christ, would hang out with one another, probably? There's a couple of us that are nerdy enough, like Star Wars, or they're a a little sports group, or, you know, some, 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 some little affinity groups. But the truth is, the greatest connection we have is Christ. And it's so cool when we can gather together with people who are different from us and celebrate the gospel that saved all of us when we believed on Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. So, as we wrap up this morning, top five reasons to make church a regular part of your life. Fellowship. You need other believers. Period. There's just no two ways about it. You need other believers. And if you are a Christian and you are lone rangering it, you are likely dying on the vine. You are struggling. You are alone. And I just want to challenge you in the coming weeks and months, just come and have a donut or a bagel and a cup of coffee and fellowship with others. Spend some time. Number two, best reason, instruction and worship. Now, there is lots of stuff you can go on the internet and learn from, but none of it will rub you the same way as being here in person. Come to Sunday school starting next week. You will find people in the class who will annoy you. You will grow as a believer. Trust me. Come to worship. I don't like the song. Worship anyway and grow as a believer. I love the song. Worship even more and grow as a believer. Number three, best reason to come, new life in Christ getting to see God at work in the lives of others around us. I, I am never more excited than when I'm, I'm watching God change somebody's life. Number two, encouragement for daily life. We all need encouragement. And finally, to celebrate the gospel. So a couple of quick announcements. As we look at these top five reasons, I want to encourage everyone here and everyone watching or everybody who's out today because of vacations wrapping up or sports, get engaged in church. And one big way you can do that is to begin to join us next Sunday at Sunday Bible School. Every Sunday we'll be getting together at 937 to 1030, classes for every age group, and we will be studying and growing together. That's one way. Second way, if if 9.37 is just way too early for you, come to church at 10.45. Make a habit of it. Starting next week, we're going to be beginning a series in the book of Philippians. 
an amazing little letter in the New Testament that teaches us how to live. A faith that is real and meaningful in the midst of struggle and persecution and trials. So two opportunities coming up as early as next Sunday to make church a regular part of your life. Now, I will say, do you have to come to church to be saved? No, you don't. You can be saved and not come to church. But I think that Scripture teaches us really clearly that every genuinely saved person should understand the importance of church and make it a priority in their life to gather together with other believers on a regular basis to do the business of God's kingdom. Hebrews chapter 10, verses 24 and 25. And let us consider one another in order to provoke love and good works, not neglecting to gather together as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging each other and all the more as you see the day, the end of time approaching. In other words, don't give up on church. Make it a priority. And the crazier life gets, the more you should be dedicated to gathering together with other believers. The crazier this world gets, the more important church should be in your life. The bigger the struggles, the more important church should be gathering together for the sake of fellowship, instruction, new life, encouragement, and celebration. Let's sing together. Stand if you'd like. Stay seated. But whatever posture you're in, would you worship God in these closing moments? Oh
next Sunday, do be sure to join us if you're able for Sunday Bible School, 9.37 to 10.30. We're going to have great classes for every age group. I'll be teaching doctrine, so the Baptist faith and message. And um, Steve Undercoffler will be teaching Bible. Shelly will be teaching women's. And those are just the adult classes. Kids, you guys are going to be going through uh, starting in the... Um, in David's life story. So look, it's going to be some good stuff going on. If you're a teacher and you haven't gotten uh, like curriculum packets and stuff from me yet, let's uh, meet up and I'll get those to you. Some of you, I'm still missing your leader's guide. Uh, sorry, team. Uh, <laughs> back ordered. Anyway, love you guys. Lunch is downstairs. Please stay for lunch. Um, even if you just weren't planning on it, just make us feel better and come eat some. What if we plan for like 300 people? It wasn't, but we planned for 100, so please come eat. Yeah, well, Ed will make up the difference. It's when he's healthy. Um, <laughs> wow. Um, so uh, pasta, meatballs, sauce, uh, salad, breadsticks. Um, those of you who maybe are vegetarian, we didn't mix everything all together, so you've got some options to, to not have to worry about, you know, tainted sauce and stuff. So love to have everybody join us. Let's pray to bless the food and dismiss ourselves. Father God, we thank you so much for today. We pray that you would just work in our hearts, convict us to be part of your church, to gather together more often, to do the work of the ministry and the business of your kingdom. And I thank you for everyone who's here today. I pray that you would speak into their hearts and minds about what they need to do in response to this call to be more ask that you would bless this food to our bodies. Help us to enjoy the remainder of our time together and fellowship genuinely, not being afraid to share our stories, but instead rejoicing in the work that you're doing in our midst. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. God bless you guys who are dismissed.